is KG, and this is not safe for networks. Tuggy Skies, I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. How's it going, Brandon? <laughs> We're going to skip that question today. <laughs> oh, and I had a great answer for that. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> we just had a bitch sesh on the porch, not at each other, just about our lives. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm going to start out talking about a I guess kind of a political thing, but it's like the first thing I've seen Trump do that I was actually happy with, which is he gave Jack Johnson a pardon. Do you know who Jack Johnson was? He was a boxer back in the day. Yeah, one of my heroes. He was a heavyweight boxer. I want to say back in like the 1910s to 20s, I think was his heyday. But he was the first black heavyweight to ever uh, capture the title. And this was in an era when the heavyweight boxer of the world was considered the strongest man in the world. Like it was, you know, as prestigious as you could get in athletics. Um, and uh, actually, I, I learned about him from a Ken Burns documentary about Jack Johnson. It was really good. It was like a two-part documentary. But um, apparently Ken Burns and Sylvester Stallone, a bunch of people have been petitioning to get Jack Johnson pardoned from this charge that he had been convicted of in 1920 of, um, basically it was bringing a white woman over state lines was essentially what the charge was. (sighs) So one of the reasons why Jack Johnson was my hero was he was a great boxer and like the heavy, the heavyweights wouldn't even consider letting black people box. And he had, because he was so good, it got to the point where they felt pressure where they had to let him box for the title and he won it. And then he wouldn't battle any black boxers. This is not the great part, but he wouldn't battle any black boxers because he knew that the white ones were inferior to the black ones that were around at that point. So he was A, trying to retain the heavyweight title, but B, making a shitload of money off of all these white people who were like duck. They were dusting off the cobwebs off of old heavyweights and trying to get them to box, which is where the term the great white hope came from. It was all these boxers who were battling Jack Johnson. Now, the irony of this was after Jack Johnson become one of my heroes, also because he married seven different women, all white, like was very public and like parading them around and stuff. In a time when people could get lynched, he was just like, no, fuck you guys. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life in a time when a black man really wasn't allowed to live his life the way he wanted to live his life. You could argue whether they can even do that now, but more so back in those days, right? Well, it turns out that my great, great, great uncle or grandfather, it's sketchy, but definitely like many in the greats, was John L. Sullivan, who was one of the great white hopes. (laughs) (laughs) 
And uh, I had an autobiography that he wrote. I didn't actually get around to reading it. I meant to, and I lost it somewhere. But there's a photo of it in there, and I swear to God, it looks like me with my shirt off when he's, like, past his prime. He's got this big mustache. So if you picture, like, a big 1920s mustache with my shirt off, I look like John L. Sullivan. Isn't he the one that they made a meme out of? Like Yes. Yeah, where he's like, he's got his hands up in the old school kind of Like fashion. Notre Dame fighting Irish sort yes. of yeah. stuff. Yeah, like that symbol. Um, yeah, they totally make a meme out, out of it. And I I mean, it's not... like Everybody's seen the picture, probably. As to what's captioned on there, it's all over the map. But <laughs> Yeah, my favorite one's, uh, do I need a bandage? No, what do you mean, bitch dicker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, another weird thing is my buddy Colin, who played guitar in uh, my first band I was in, Colin Corbett, who's been on the show, actually, uh, not for many years, but... It's been a stitch. It's probably been like five years, but um, his he was... He always talked about how he had, like, his great-great-great-uncle or something like that was uh, Gentleman Jim Corbett, who was also one of the great White Hopes. And I found out from the little bit that I read... That John L. Sullivan and, and uh, Gentleman Jim Corbett were like enemies. Like they were the biggest enemies fucking like like in their career. They, they fought each other a bunch. Like it was really big matches and they couldn't stand each other. So it's really funny that their great, great, great nephews wound up being really good friends in Montana of all places. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so... So Trump pardoned Jack Johnson from that charge. So this is one of the few times I'll be like, good job, Trump. Uh, you know, disagree just about everything else he says and does. But this was a good move, I felt like. So I just wanted to take note of it. I know we're not a sports podcast or anything. But if you want to tie it into pop culture, Miles Davis did an entire album about Jack Johnson in the 70s. It's like a, a jazz fusion album. It's a fucking good album, too. It's crazy. Yeah, I really like it. It scored a documentary for Jack Johnson. So there you go. It's got pop culture ties. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> so moving on. Um, Harvey Weinstein charged with rape from in New York and is expected to turn himself into the NYPD on Friday morning. Tomorrow morning is of this recording. So good. Good. Yeah. Hopefully Ish. he gets convicted <laughs> of rape. Um, hopefully some more charges come up on him. I, I know it stems from two accounts, so it's probably the two they could find the most to stick him with in New York anyway. So that's good. I don't have a whole lot to say about that. I just, we spent so much time talking about Weinstein. I thought it should be noted. And then, uh, also Morgan Freeman has been accused of harassment by eight women and an additional eight witnesses have come forward to corroborate various stories. So, uh, <sighs> sounds like a douchebag. Yay. Now the Shawshank Redemption's ruined for me because Morgan Freeman's an asshole. <laughs> what do you do, man? It just, you you hope this stuff will stop rolling out. Not because, like, you don't want to hear it, but because you hope that we ferreted out all the shitty people. But it just keeps keeps happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if we're going to see an end to that anytime soon. <clears throat> but let's lighten it up a little bit uh, to, to a disaster we can really get behind. P- 
Paramount has pulled the seventh Transformers movie from production. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's too far gone for their Bumblebee spinoff, apparently. But yeah, they pulled it from production. I don't think they'll make money. Michael Bay is, has been vocal saying he's not going to direct any more Transformers movies. So good. Let's get these things off of the theater screen. Come on. Really? Yeah. We need I, more Transformers in our life. I, I, I was out after one, so. Yeah. You were like, these don't look like GoBots. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, still digging there. <laughs> hey, dude, I would rather watch a GoBots movie just because this Transformer shit is stupid. <laughs> it's just dumb. Those shit, that, those things are garbage. Yeah, I'm not going to say it ruined my childhood because I love Transformers when I was a kid. But have you ever seen one of those cartoons as an adult? They're objectively terrible. Like, G.I. <laughs> Joe is at least so corny you can laugh at it. Transformers is not so corny you can laugh at it. It's just bad. But, um... It's just... I mean, it's an awful Hanna-Barbera animation coupled with, like, a terrible plot with awful characters yeah <laughs> i haven't looked at any of those since i was a kid i think the closest i've seen was like watching beast wars in college yeah i remember some people being like you gotta watch beast wars and i was like no <laughs> <laughs> i'm a grown-ass man <laughs> was it good though it was all right when you're bonging yourself into submission <laughs> Drinking a lot helps. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So a big maybe on Beast Wars. <laughs> uh, Damon Lindelof. I believe that's how you say his name. The guy who did Lost and, and The Leftovers. So he's doing the Watchmen uh, series for HBO. And he gave this giant seven page art like thing on Instagram. He just posted this giant seven page thing talking about. The Watchmen, why he wanted to do The Watchmen, how he like reached out to uh, Alan Moore, who wrote it, and uh, talking about what his intentions with The Watchmen was. And I got to say, by the time I finished it, I kind of got to a it, it, it was it was a little crazy. Like he he compares The Watchmen to the Bible and stuff like that. So it's like it's a little crazy and self-indulgent, but. It did make me think that I might watch this show. Like, it, it made me think that maybe this show would be worth watching because he made it clear that they're not really going to adapt it. They're going to take the characters and kind of go a different direction, and they might do certain elements of the thing in a different way. But then I was like, you know what? Maybe this could work. Because my issue with, like, making The Watchmen into a show is that it's so rooted in being about comics that I don't see how you make that a show. But if you're taking those characters and doing something different with them, and if Alan Moore maybe gives his blessing, then I'd be okay. But Alan Moore gives his blessing for nothing. He's joyless. <laughs> <laughs> He's a joyless wizard sitting in a castle in Scotland. Sure. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Everybody's got a castle in Scotland. Yeah, everybody but us. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think Speak you, for yourself, buddy. Did you ever read The Watchmen? No. Did you ever see the movie? I did see the movie. What did you think of the movie? Can't remember it at all. I was really stoned. 
So not memorable <laughs> if you're high. <laughs> no. I remember uh, really liking the character Dr. Manhattan. That's about it. Yeah. The only one with superpowers. Yeah. Uh, I take that back. I I vaguely remember Rorschach's character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's fucking insane. He's basically the question in DC Comics, but a little, yeah. a little more violent. A lot more violent than the question was. Uh, my introduction to the question, I found him later in like comics, but uh, it was in uh, the Justice League Unlimited cartoon, and Stephen Colbert voiced him. And it was fucking great. He had like the craziest conspiracy theories, but they always panned out. Like he was always right on top of every conspiracy theory, (laughs) but it would sound completely insane. And then you would find out eventually, no, the question was totally right about this. It's just the fact that it sounds like he should be wearing a tinfoil hat. Nobody believes in. (laughs) So I really enjoyed their take on him, but, um, yeah, anyway, I, I might check out the show on HBO. I'm probably going to at least check out the pilot and review it whenever it's out. So uh, so I, I wanted to do a movie review here before we get to Deadpool 2 because I know you saw it and you're biting at the bit. But I got Movie Pass. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I go to movies that I'm not totally into watching just to make sure I get my money out of, you, <laughs> out of the Movie Pass. So I went and saw the remake of Overboard. Really? Yeah. Did you ever see the original Overboard? I really like, well, I haven't seen it in probably two or three years. But Yeah. So here's the thing about the original Overboard. I fucking loved it growing up. And then at some point I watched it and I was like, it might have been two years ago. And I was like, this is really fucked up. Like he's totally gaslighting this woman the whole time. And it just comes across as like really wrong. Yeah. But it is funny. You know what I mean? It's problematic, but it's funny. Uh, this movie is, so it's Anna Ferris. They basically kind of switch the genders on this. So Anna Ferris is working really hard, trying to get into college, working three jobs, trying to support her kids. She's widowed. And uh, basically the whole premise of like Overboard happens. But the guy who it happens to, who's a rich guy, is like super skeezy. He's also Mexican. And so there's like, I would say that a third of the movie is spoken in Spanish, which I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I just like the gender swap thing didn't really do much for me. Although it made the gaslighting a little less creepy, even though it's still wrong to gaslight. Yeah. And I know that's some kind of sexism being like, well, it's okay in this case, but not in that case. But like, it made it a little more acceptable, I will say. (laughs) But um, it was interesting that like a lot of it was spoken in Spanish. There was a lot of um, it it was it was well acted. It was funny. Um, It was all all the beats, like all the beats that you remember from the movie. Uh, They had the guy from Last Man on Earth. And Better Call Saul. Uh, I think he was Vic. Or something like that. Like, he's the, he's the guy who winds up with, like, the, the lady from Mad Men and Last Man on Earth. Like, the kind of fat guy with the mustache. Yeah, I know who you're talking yeah. about. Like, he has a pretty big part in it. But he's a super obnoxious Seahawks fan. 
but they also like paint him as a super obnoxious Seahawks fan. <laughs> it's in the same town in Oregon <laughs> that Overboard took place in. And uh they also they also mentioned briefly in it that amnesia almost never happens and this doctor says like we've only had one case ever and this guy like or this lady woke up after being out to like they kind of allude to the original movie so it's like in the same universe i guess like even the same city which is unusual but it's all the same beats um it's not like if you love the original it doesn't really bring anything new to it but it is on par with the with the original and a little less creepy with the gaslighting, even though it's equally as bad. Yeah. <laughs> it just comes across as less creepy to me. I don't know. Um, yeah, the one thing I would have liked to see is like a Kurt Russell or Goldie Hawn cameo, and those are not to be found in this movie. So they probably decided they didn't want anything to do with it, I'm going to guess. Yeah, I had zero interest in watching that movie. Yeah, I mean, like, if it's on TV, totally worth checking out. Would I go to the theater? Yeah, if you got movie pass. If you got movie pass. <laughs> Otherwise, probably not. It's fine. It's not, like, it's better than meh. But it's, like, it's not quite at the level where I'm going to recommend it either. So I, I'll put it that way. Like, if it's on, go ahead and give it a spin. It'll, it's fine. Yeah, see, it was, because I remember, and I watched it, like I said, a couple years ago, and I I was, like, definitely troubled by it, but still enjoyed the same jokes. Yeah. Um, Had you seen it when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it, I believe because it took place in Oregon, I saw it an extraordinary amount of times. I saw it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> There was like a thing in my household being from Oregon that any movie that filmed in Oregon, we just watched over and over again. It just became one of our favorites. Like we watched the Goonies all the time. We watched Short Circuit all the time. We watched Overboard all the time. You know, there were all these 80s movies that decided to film in Oregon. So uh, The Fog we watched all the time. Also an Oregon movie. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one. John Carpenter's The Fog. Oh man, you're missing out. Don't watch a remake. Remakes bullshit. Watch the original. You'll like it. <laughs> Anywho. Uh let's get let's get to the meat of it. So the movie you saw that you actually have something to say about. <laughs> so last Friday night, we went with the family good wholesome family movie Deadpool 2. <laughs> you went with your whole family? Oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> Those sex scenes in the first one would have scared me away from taking my whole family, dude. I guess, was there any sex scenes in this? I feel like there wasn't. Not that I can recall. Yeah. Like, it's not quite PG-13 fair, but if you take out some of the language, it could probably be PG-13. You'd have to take really toned on language and gore. I think you could get away with the gore. I'm just going to say, put it on a limb. You put the hard press on the MPAA. I think you could get a PG-13 if you clean up. Like, you only have, like, one fucking one shit, you know? <laughs> I don't know. There's some really gory shit that goes on in that movie. Yeah, there is, but I've seen worse in a PG-13 movie. Check out the shit in the 80s, man. Their PG-13 was hardcore. Their PG-13 is R nowadays. 
Their PG-13 is Deadpool, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so you took the whole family to this? Oh, yeah. We went, we, the whole family went to Deadpool the first one, so. <laughs> so uncomfortable, dude. <laughs> so what'd you think? Oh, fucking love that movie. I really loved it, too. Um, the only thing I really didn't like was when the scene with T.J. Miller. Yeah. And, and not, that's just because of what's going on. Just no, because just because T.J. Miller, Miller was in the scene. Yeah. That that was my only thing that, like, uh... I will say um, that was the worst part of it. Once again, like, the scenes were funny, but it's, like, it's really hard to laugh when you're just looking at this douchebag on screen and you're like, ugh, thinking about all the stuff he did. But um, I, I do got to say, I didn't quite... The only difference between this and Deadpool for me, like, I would rank Deadpool above it, but it's almost not fair because, like, it was the first time we kind of seen that with Deadpool on the screen, and this time you're, like, waiting for it. And so because you're waiting for it, it didn't quite deliver as deep for me, but it's f- from no, f- like, fault of the sequel. It's just like, like Guardians of the Galaxy was kind of the same way I felt like. Yeah. Like, the second one was really enjoyable. I really liked it, but I, it's really hard to like it more than the first because it just came out of left field. And you're like, whoa, they really knocked that one out <laughs> of the park. And that's hard to, like, recreate that feeling, you know? Yeah. Um See, I would actually rank this one above the original. Okay. I laughed so fucking hard during that movie. Just everything had me going. Um, I mean, I left the movie theater and my face hurt from laughing so much. I did feel like there was one... Okay, we should just get... Like, if if you want to check out Deadpool 2, maybe just turn off the podcast. I don't know how long we'll talk about it, but we're going to spoil the shit like we always do. So, you've been warned. So, three, two, one. Um, so, the fact that his girlfriend died at the beginning, which was, like, a little bit shocking when I was watching. But every time they kept going back to the girlfriend stuff, I was like... Oh man, come on. Cause it was just like, it would be so funny. And then they would like go into this like deep emotional thing. And it's like, I didn't want to go there. I just yeah, wanted to. I laugh. kind of, I would That's, agree with like, that was probably. Now, this is not criticizing the movie. It's just like the first one. The only thing that I don't laugh at is when he's actually getting his superpowers when that dude's like basically torturing him and shit you know yeah but that's like what like seven minutes of the movie if that yeah yeah his girlfriend dying and stuff that's like seven minutes and then like five minutes tacked on like three two or three times yeah yeah it's like it's a lot for like a movie that's based off a comedy so that's that's really my only criticism of it. That being said, the shit that is funny is really funny in this movie. Oh, God. There's so much. Like, where they're in the prison, he gets thrown off the balcony, and he's, like, landed on the table, and his, like, legs and arms are broken and, like, dangling off like you threw a silly putty on the table. Which doesn't sound <laughs> funny when you say it, but if you see it, it is pretty funny. <laughs> Or just some of the physical humor, like he strangles a guy by breaking his arm around the dude's neck behind him. 
Um, I, I want to talk about some of the cameos really quick. So the first one is one I wasn't even aware of till I was reading today. Did you know Matt Damon was in that movie? Yeah. Well, I didn't know it until after. Yeah. Me neither. Because they were sort of featuring. They had these two like Southern and guys. And Alan Tudyk. Yeah. They had these two Southern guys talking on this pickup truck. And they're I, they're talking about the proper way to wipe your ass, basically. <laughs> but they're like really waxing intellectual about it, you know? And then Cable comes up and winds up killing them both. And like one the fatter one is Matt Damon and tons of prosthetics and stuff. And I guess like it was a real Princess Bride situation with Billy Crystal, you know, like in both cases, the crew didn't know that it was that actor coming in. They didn't put him on the call sheet. They didn't tell anybody. They just put him in makeup and sent him out there. And so that was really cool to read later because they were featuring him like, I know that's supposed to be somebody who I know, but I have no idea who this is. Dude, I bought it hook, line, cigarette. I had no idea who either of those characters. I'm interested in like knowing now if it's totally recognizable now that I know, but who knows? Uh, Did you see the Stan Lee cameo? I did see the Stanley cameo. Yeah, so they basically because I pointed it out in the theater. Yeah, he had a scheduling conflict. They said so. They said it wasn't because of his health or anything. He just had a scheduling conflict. So they spray painted him on the side of a building while it's like kind of doing like a almost they're like a, a, tracking a tracking shot, shot like following city. a car down a road, yeah, sort of thing. So you see him on a building, but I was like, oh hey, Stanley. And my wife's like, yeah, like unimpressed, but. Which was the opposite of when we went to Infinity War. And my, my daughter goes, that's Stanley. Like, it was the first time she got excited to see a Stanley cameo. It took her 19, 20, <laughs> I don't know how many movies. But she finally, like, understood the Stanley cameo after having her dad pointed out so many times. <laughs> but she was like, that's Stanley. And then she was, like, grabbing my wife. And, and she was like... He's he's the guy who made Spider Man and he made the X Men. It's <laughs> like started going off to her. So. No serenity in this one, so we didn't get the excited. Um, my favorite. I want to talk about an Easter egg that I noticed. Hold on, is it a cameo? No, it's an Easter egg. Okay, let's put a pin in that for just All a right. second. I got one more cameo I want to talk about. The Vanisher. The Vanisher. So the Vanisher, when they're showing X Force, he's invisible the entire time until he gets. Yeah, you see see him like jumping out of an airplane. It's just his backpack falling. (laughs) Did you see who the Vanisher was? Yeah. When he gets electrocuted, they show it, and I swear to God, it's like a third of a second that they show him. And I looked at that and I was like, "Is that Brad Pitt?" And it was gone so fast. I just talked myself into thinking it was Brad Pitt. And I read it on the internet. I was like, "Damn, I knew that was Brad Pitt." <laughs> so fucking funny because, like, Brad Pitt. First off, he was he was in line for the cable part for a long time. Yeah, and he didn't get the part. But apparently, Brad Pitt was such a Deadpool fan that he said, "I'll do anything for you guys." So they said they described it to him as like, "Will you come in in front of a green screen and just film this for like not even a second? And he's like, "Yeah, done." And it's so fucking funny because you take like maybe the biggest movie star in the world, you're just like boop, and he's gone. <laughs> they said, like Ryan Reynolds said when they brought him in, he demanded a cup of coffee for the part. Like he wanted to, like he wanted a cup of coffee for delivered payment. for, and he got paid scale. Right, and so 
He filmed that part quicker than it took him to drink the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking great. Okay, now you're Easter egg. So, and I have only, because I've been watching a couple of Easter egg things and um, just stuff reviewing Deadpool 2 since I watched it. And I have only heard one mention of this Easter egg. Okay. It was on Cable's gun was the dial. Did you happen to catch it? 11. It went to 11. I totally caught that. (laughs) I even put it out of the theater. I'm like, it goes to 11. This goes to 11. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I totally caught that. Are you kidding, dude? I'm the biggest Final Tap fan. There's no way I didn't pick that up. (laughs) But I, I, I saw that and I'm like, it just made me so happy. <laughs> um, I love the way that they <clears throat> that they put together X Force because first off, there's that Vanisher thing which we already talked about, but like they put together the team. We talked about Peter, I think last week or the week whenever they dropped that trailer. Yeah, by him being a normal person, and like what makes it even funnier is he has that cab driver of his who's in the trailer. He's in the first Deadpool, and he decides that he wants to be a contract hitman. Yeah, and they just like don't take him seriously ever. But they even hire like he says like you don't have superpowers, so we can't have you on the X Force. And then they fucking hire Peter, who has no superpowers whatsoever. <laughs> <Just> showed up. <laughs> Such a douche move. And then, like, like that whole team, it's like they go up in the airplane and they're about to fucking drop. And I think one of them points out the high wind warning. <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds just goes off on the speech when he's in the Marines. From when he's in the Marines talking about how you're not going to let wind stop you and all this. And they go and skydive out, and the entire team, except for Domino, who has the luck powers, everybody else dies. <laughs> like every, they have this whole multi-billion-dollar franchise in place, and they all just yeah, get the, wiped out. In it's the span funny because the the and trailers all, all dig it, like build up the X Force. Like we got Terry Crews as Bedlam. Their <laughs> <laughs> Terry Crews has like two lines in the entire movie. <laughs> It's so fucking great. It's so great. Just, it just you know what you know what they did was they took that that really funny. Have you seen MacGruber? Yeah, the, yeah. They took that really funny scene where they like put the whole team together, and then he accidentally <laughs> explodes the van and cries for two minutes. But instead, they just like wiped out the entire thing over the course of two minutes. But you know what's what's really great about that is that's actually straight from the comics. Is it really? Because in uh, X Force, I believe it's one seventeen. Don't quote me on that. Um, they actually show like when they first bring like the entire X Force together with the Vanisher. Um, Oh, the the dude that vomits acid, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like all those guys together, and they all fucking die in the comic. <laughs> it was so great the way they did that. Um, and they even brought the uh, gray suit from the X Force, and they had that guy who like vom like his only power is he vomits acid, and like it seems like Peter winds up landing and he's gonna be okay. And then, like, that that guy just talked about, like, 
gets ran over by a car or something. No, he ends up in the wood chipper. Oh, that's <laughs> he winds up landing in wood chipper. And so Peter goes to get him out and he just like vomits all over Peter and like melts him away. <laughs> that was the best scene of the movie to me. What was your favorite scene? <sighs> you know, that's probably my favorite. Okay. Um, you know what? What I really appreciated about this movie because the, they had so much marketing. Yeah. And none of it really made the, the movie. No. <laughs> um, the Celine Dion song made the movie. Um, but that's about, I mean, like all the stuff you see in all the trailers pretty much. It's sort of in the movie, but they've changed everything. Yeah. So you didn't see. So what you saw was completely fresh walking into the movie. Even the the jokes that were really funny in the trailer had a button that they didn't give away in the trailer. But we were talking about like what this is about. Um, I want to find the synopsis for Deadpool 2 and just read it one more time. <laughs> because... It's batshit crazy, but I want to see if it actually mirrors what actually happened. Um, and this is not it. Here, you want to pause? I can. I know where where it's at. Yeah. Okay, so here it is. So <laughs> the synopsis is: after surviving a near fatal bovine attack, so there's not an no, that's not happening or anything, right? No, a disfigured cafeteria chef. Struggles to fulfill his dream of becoming Mayberry's hottest bartender. Mayberry is a, is the the fictional the Andy place Griffith with the show. Andy Griffith show, yeah, and he's not a bartender. While also learning to cope with his lost sense of taste, also didn't happen. That was Dewey Cox, <laughs> or no, that was his sense of smell, wasn't it? Searching to regain his spice for life as well as a flux capacitor. That kind of happens. Wade must battle ninjas? No. The Yakuza? No. Yes. Yes? When does he fight the Yakuza? In the montage, the opening montage before he blows himself oh, up. Oh, that is true. Um, and a pack of sexually aggressive canines? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> As he journeys around the world to discover the importance of family, friendship, and flavor... Two of those are true, I would say. Family and friendship. Yes. I don't know about the flavor. <laughs> Finding a new taste for adventure and earning the coveted coffee mug title of world's best lover. <laughs> 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 yeah, it doesn't really describe this movie so no. well. Um, so I hope you stayed for the end. Oh, yeah. I was just saving it for the end. Are we done talking about the rest of it? I think so. Okay. Bring it up. So, again, spoilers, if you're still listening for some godforsaken reason. You're fucking stupid. Um, Continue. But we still love you. Keep coming back and listen. Oh, yeah, totally, because our numbers are down. It's <laughs> seasonal, so we'll go back up. So we don't really need you, but we need you right now. We need you. <laughs> Stay with us, buddy. Anyway, um, so they... Deadpool steals Cable's watch, gives it to uh, 
His watch that helps him time travel. Yes. Yeah. This time traveling watch gives it to uh Negasonic Teenage Warhead and his girl or her girlfriend. Who does have a sizable role and they did not downplay that or leave it amb- like ambiguous or anything. They actually no. like delivered on that. I just wanted to, we were talking about that last yeah. week. I just want to say they totally delivered on yeah, it. Yeah, it was just you know, it was there. They didn't dwell on it, or she they had didn't as much time screen time as Negasonic Teenage Warhead did in the first movie, who also had all the screen time with her. So it was like it was it was at you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, yeah. I I wouldn't add or subtract anything really with that. Anyways, they so they. Fix the watch so he can time travel. So he goes back in time and just retcon shit. So right away, gotta say this was my favorite after credit sequence ever. Like in any <laughs> any comic book movie, this was the best ever. I really really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So the first thing he does is he fixes it so his girlfriend doesn't die. Right. Then the second thing, which, he which does, I which I enjoyed because it helped pay off some of that downtime you were talking about earlier with the Vanessa scenes. Yeah. Uh, then he goes and is it, he basically says, saves Peter after that. Yeah. He saves Peter. Yeah. Just tells him this is crazy before he gets his arm melted off. (laughs) Um, and then he goes to X-Men origins (laughs) and he sees like, the version, like they basically force gump him into the scene. Is that a term? It is now. They force gump him into the scene with Wolverine, and you see Deadpool. Yeah, revealed. the the basically they they do the Deadpool scene where you first where they melt his mouth shut, and then like he shows up as a the villain of the movie. Basically, yeah, I had to explain that to my wife. I was like, so you don't remember this, but we went to this movie like eight years ago. <laughs> and uh yeah and he he immediately shoots the other deadpool in the head and he looks straight at logan he goes sorry just cleaning up the timeline and then he shoots like the other deadpool like three four times times, just like like, empties the clip (laughs) then he goes then you see ryan reynolds like playing himself looking at a script for green lantern and say what does he say like i'm gonna be canadian canada's for a superhero or something like that. It, it's something akin to that. And you look and you see like he's holding the Green Lantern script in his hand. And his brains just fly out of his head. And you just see like the him. whole script just bloody. <laughs> it's so great, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that cutscene was fantastic, dude. I mean, like the stuff with the girlfriend, I was like, okay, that makes sense that you would do that. And then he saves Peter. I'm like, oh, that's kind of sweet. Is he going to save the whole team? And I think he does save the whole team in one way or the other. But then, like, the whole fucking thing with, like, killing Deadpool and killing Ryan Reynolds, it was classic. It was so good. Really funny. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Deadpool, too. Definitely check it out. Worth checking out. I would say don't bring your kids. Brandon's <laughs> saying go ahead and bring them, I think. If they're old enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my kids both have watched Deadpool many a time, so <laughs> we knew what we were getting into. Yeah, I let River watch Deadpool, so and she went to Deadpool, too, with, with uh, somebody, so it's all good. Uh, just not taking Seren to it. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. 
Moving on to some uh, to some news. So James Mangold, who did the Wolverine, not Wolverine X Men Origins, but the Wolverine, and also did Logan. Uh, we have found out that he will write and direct a Boba Fett standalone movie, according to the Hollywood Reporter. So this is not official yet, but they have somebody who they say is a trusted source working on the movie who said this is a thing is happening. So. It looks like we're going to get a Boba Fett movie, which makes sense because the rumor was that would be the second movie and Josh Trank was directing a project. They never said what it was. And then when they fired Josh Trank, because he was a Trank wreck, as you said many, many times, um, they suddenly bumped up production of the Han Solo or, or of Solo. And they never said what that other project was. They just said that Josh Trank hadn't worked on Solo. So we didn't know what it was. So this plays in line with everything we've known so far, if that's the case. So what do you think? Do you think there's enough meat on the bones for a Boba Fett movie? I mean, we don't know much about Boba Fett. When you like really dig into the movies there's not a lot there so i mean they could totally flesh out a character on that oh we know tons though okay we know he's a clone but he's the only like he's the only clone of Django fett who wasn't like they didn't put in certain characteristics or whatever into it he's a pure clone of Django fett right right we know that um we know that he took down Han Solo. <laughs> he collected Han Solo. And we know that Han Solo... Was it Han Solo hit the thing on his backpack and he wound up going into the Sarlacc pit? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, we know that he likes to disintegrate his bounties <laughs> because <laughs> Vader eyeballs him directly and says, No disintegrations! So... <laughs> <clears throat> that's a lot that's a rich backstory we already know about him. there's tons of gaps to fill in there. um there is a particular story and this isn't canon anymore but it was from the story called tales from jabba's palace and it's it the story was like after boba fett winds up in the sarlacc pit you know the sarlacc digest people over a thousand years they said and so it would do this thing where it would like melt away part of his, like it was trying to get through his armor when it finally gets through his Mandalorian armor, which was used to kill Jedis on some planet. We know that too. But uh, when he was like melting away at the armor, he had started to dissolve an arm or something and then it would start to heal it and it could like read his thoughts and like intrude thoughts and all these things into it. It was just fucking with him the whole time. And so Boba Fett realizes that like his jetpack is still working. So if he can just get his arm to it, he can blast out of the Sarlacc pit. So eventually he does it by like trying to think other thoughts that the Sarlacc pit wasn't waiting and just waiting for the right moment when it went to like secrete this acid to free his arm of the armor and then flip the jackpot. So when he gets out, he fucking comes back a year later and he's got the slave one to ship and he lowers it down and the jets are just burning the shit out of the Sarlacc pit. And then he like raises up, turns off the jets and vows to come back later because he's going to kill it over a long period of time. And I was like, that's so fucking great. I want that in that movie somehow. Like, wouldn't it be great if it just starts? Because 
they say Boba Fett solo film, and I think a lot of people are assuming it's going to be some kind of thing before Star Wars. But why does it have to be, dude? What if you survive that Star Wars, that like Sarlacc pit? What if you incorporate that little short story into it? It's a great short story. You start him out in the Sarlacc pit, and he lives. What I'd, Star Wars fan isn't down with that? I I'm good for it. Yeah, me too. That's what I want to see. I mean, we'll see what we get, but. James Mangold, he's a shit. He'll he'll find something there. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You got anything you want to see in a Boba Fett movie? Some dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get dialogue. You're going to get, like, no disintegrations as you wish. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, Solo's coming out. Are, are you going to see it this week? Maybe. Maybe. I'm seeing it definitely. There will be some sort of review. Whether it's spoiler free or not depends on Brandon. But I will definitely I'm seeing it on I mean, I'll probably night, watch so. it, but I I'm not really psyched for that movie. Except for Donald Glover. Well then you should fucking see it, dude. Support Donald Glo- Donald Glover is on a fucking tear right now. Yeah, he is, man. Dude, have you seen the yes. uh, This Is America video? Yes. Fucking great. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty good. Yeah, he's he's super talented. I was watching Spider-Man Homecoming yesterday. I'm just like, that's Childish Gambino right there. Yeah, I and they just... The kids uh, don't know who Donald Glover is. Uh, wrapped up the season for Atlanta. No, I guess it was really good. I haven't... It critically acclaimed. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for that to hit some sort of streaming platform where I can watch a bunch at once. So get caught up. <clears throat> Zach really, really recommended it. So uh, that was enough for me. I got to see it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But yeah, he's on a fucking tear. Anyway, uh, the news I was going to bring, it's not big news, but it's one that's enjoyable to me. So because there was a couple of scenes to shoot when Ron Howard came on board, uh, he managed to get Clint Howard into the movie. <laughs> Yahoo! Yay, Clint Howard. Clint Howard is one of 16 actors who appear in Star Trek and Star Wars. But most of them, it was like Clone Wars and stuff like that. So I don't know how much you count it. But he's like the second biggest name to do it. The biggest name being Clancy Brown. Like the Kurgan from Highlander. But he was on like um the uh that cartoon the clone wars so i don't know how much you count that but you know yeah ron howard he's on the original series he was on discovery i think he was on like a couple other shows too those are the two i remember him from though because he's a baby in the original series yeah and then he's an old disheveled meth head again <laughs> like discovery <laughs> he's doing some kind of drug i don't know some kind of space drug. Space drugs. Yeah. Space meth. But I was excited about that. I'm always happy when I see Clint Howard. Never happier than when I watched The Wraith for the Real Roulette podcast. He was like, the highlight of that movie. <laughs> he is, dude. He's just so crazy and excitable. <laughs> I love Clint Howard. <laughs> He's like Ron Howard, but badly broken and then scotch taped together you know what and i mean and some definitely some hot glue <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely hot glue so and not the right pieces glued no, together and pieces no. missing as well um the best thing i uh saw today that made my 
made my day was they did announce uh, Matt Groening's new show, a release date. For Netflix. For yeah. Netflix. And they released some stills from it. Yeah. Uh, so it's coming out August 17th. And I re- they released some stills. It's basically for those that you... Those people that don't know, it's kind of a fantasy-based show. About an alcoholic princess. Yes. And a demon. And what's the other thing? An elf? I think it's like an elf. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, But being a big Mag Raining fan, I'm excited for that to drop. Yeah, I'll be in. Just keep Papu out of it. Can we agree on that, Matt Greening? <laughs> I don't think Apu's going to gonna show up. Yeah, no, no Apu in this. Then I can, I can be definitely down. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I like the stills you look at. Is, it's classic Matt Greening. Yeah, it's totally his drawings. I mean, it looks like, like it looks like it could be a fantasy scene out of Futurama. Or the it Simpsons. looks like basically a lot of scenes out of uh, the movie Bender's Game from Futurama. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, so the last thing I had here was we talked about Live Aid with Queen a bunch last week. Oh, that is something I wanted to talk about. Oh, good. Because I got tons of stuff to talk about. What do you want to talk about with it? So I kind of want to issue an apology about what we talked about last week with okay. Queen. Because we recorded, was it the day before or day after? Like, Because there was a uh, high school shooting in Texas. Uh huh. So, in the week since it came out, that while he was shooting people in the hallway of the school, he was singing another one bites the dust. Ah, Jesus. So, I just kind of like put two and two together, and it comes out kind of insensitive. So, I do apologize for that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we even like quoted the song. No, we didn't. And I don't think they I don't even think we did it at Live Aid. So no, they didn't because I because I because <laughs> so I did watch it like fu- once or twice. We are in the fucking clear, dude. There was a Bohemian Rhapsody trailer out, and everything stemmed from that. So I think everybody knows how we feel about gun violence on this. So if you don't, we're against it. No, like completely. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. So, moving on. <laughs> Talking yeah. about Live Aid again. So, this is not on the Queen front. But uh, I, I, I just, like, today I just went down a rabbit hole, like, looking up stuff about Live Aid. Because it kind of, I don't know, I just kind of captured my imagination a little bit talking about it last week. So, I, I wanted to know more about Live Aid. And my mom sent me a text that said she definitely watched it when it was on. And I was... I mean, so I was six years old. So she says, if I didn't have school the next morning, I would have almost definitely seen it. And I looked it up. It was a Friday. I definitely didn't have school the next day. And it was only a three hour broadcast. Um, so it was it was longer. And I'll get to that in just a second. 
but it played on ABC in America for three hours. We did not have MTV at the time. They played a lot more on MTV. See, I remember watching it on MTV because we did have MTV Mm -hmm. at the time. So MTV did not play anything live, but they recorded a shitload of stuff and did backstage interviews and put it out in the weeks after. So it was done in an effort to keep the the aid coming in for uh, Ethiopia. But... ABC played a program for about three hours and that, so that was what my mom would have had to have seen. So I probably saw this, but I don't fucking remember it. <laughs> anyway, so here's some of just little random facts that I, I found out scouring the internet about this. So Live Aid was held in JFK Stadium in Philadelphia and also Wembley Stadium in the UK. 1.9 billion TV viewers across 150 nations saw it. That's billion with a B, dude. That's a, right away. That could never happen again, right? Like there's no way you're, you're getting an audience like that for a concert ever again, unless it's like the halftime of a Super Bowl show. That's it. Then still you're not getting those numbers. Yeah, that's insanity. And I mean, once again, we're not talking about in the United States. We're talking about over like the whole world, you know? Um, the concert was 16 hours long. They would play a set, like a short set in Great Britain, and then immediately play a set in Philly, and then a set in Great Britain. Like every band had 17 minutes. Some of them ran a little over, but they would set up while the other one was going. So, uh, so here's, here's the first original one, which I don't know if you know about, but I'm going to guess maybe you do. So did you know Led Zeppelin had a reunion on that show? Not an entire reunion. No, not an entire one, because <laughs> John Bonham, the drummer, died. So they had Phil Collins, like, set in for it. And it's been ranked <sighs> by a bunch of people as one of the worst reunion shows ever. Uh I read that Robert Plant's vocals were terrible and Phil Collins didn't know the songs very well. And by the way, it's on YouTube and I watched some of that. Robert Plant is next level awful in that (laughs) video. Like he is terrible. I just watched the first song and that was all I could stomach. And like Phil Collins was fine in the first song, but I'm sure, I'm sure he was terrible after that. But like it, like Robert Plant just sounded like he was out of key out of tune like that the, the guitar was out of tune like everything about it was just terrible <laughs> sounds terrible yeah see that no recollection of that <laughs> no and that was well before i really got into led zeppelin so oh i just meant like i know you read a lot of books on them and shit like that so well it didn't really like most books i read on led zeppelin stop when john bonham died or very shortly thereafter. Yeah, when the band proper is gone. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Phil Collins then jumped on an airplane and played a set in Philadelphia. So, like, he played in the morning in Wembley Stadium. He played with Led Zeppelin. He did a couple of solo songs. Then he got on a jet, went to Philly, and played at the end of the night. Philadelphia. That's pretty impressive, dude. That's Fucking good. played in London and like Philadelphia for the same show. That was back in the days of the Concord. Yeah. Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young reunited for that show. 
That's cool. Yeah. Bob Dylan's guitar string broke when playing with the Rolling Stones. Ronnie Wood gave his guitar to Bob Dylan and then played air guitar mimicking Pete Townsend with, you know, his spinny arm thing. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Uh, Mick Jagger played its only rock and roll roll with Tina Turner and then ripped off her dress, leaving only a leotard. So it didn't quite go the full Janet Jackson, but... (laughs) Wow. Yeah, there's a precursor to that. Uh, This is one of my favorite ones. Duran Duran's final performance for 20 years was that night. Their singer hit a bad falsetto note at the beginning of the theme for A View to a Kill. It became known as the bum hit known... Or the bum hit... Sorry, I fucked that up. Became known as the bum note heard round the world. It was a playoff of Freddie Mercury's note heard round the world. Because when he's singing with the crowd and he's doing the hey and all that stuff, like with the crowd singing along with him, that was a note that heard the world or heard round the world. Duran Duran, <laughs> quite the opposite. Like it, it, it wrecked the band. It ended ended the band. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses had booked Veterans Stadium across JFK. They had booked it, the same stadium across from JFK when The Who played there with a couple of other bands in a concert. Uh, They had this whole message about how rock and roll was evil. And as the people were spilling out into the parking lots, fans from The Who concert started hurling jars of urine at them. (laughs) <laughs> so they decided to pull out from that veterans <laughs> stadium concert <laughs> probably because they didn't want jars of urine flung at them <laughs> i mean that's a pretty good reason yeah uh bob geldoff who put it together he yeah. was only plays pink floyd in in the wall movie um he put together the concert. He was disappointed with the 1.2 million pounds raised. I could have figured this out in dollars, but I would have had to figure out 1985 dollars and whatever pounds. Uh, a BBC presenter was explaining to viewers that they could send checks to an address or give the credit card numbers. Geldof sna- sniped on live television. Fuck the address. Give us the numbers. They raised 300 pounds per second after that. It's now estimated that 1.5 million pounds were raised when all was said and done. Um, The concert encouraged Western nations to end the current famine in Africa by donating surplus food. So that was it it did a lot of good. Now, here's here's some more fallout from the concert, though. Um, Stevie Wonder agreed to play, but then pulled out saying he was not going to be the only token black man on the stage because there was no African band singers. Like there was almost no black musicians as I was looking through the list. And the only one I know of was Tina Turner, who got her dress ripped off from Mick Jagger. Also, I mean, not right then, but has sang Brown Sugar before. So I don't blame Stevie. (laughs) Can't blame Stevie on that. Uh, Frank Zappa refused to play, saying that it was the, it was, it was a thing only because it was a way to get drugs into the underdeveloped parts of the world, and said it was the largest cocaine smuggling scheme in the history of the world. <laughs> so Frank Zappa had a, an original take as usual. Wow. <laughs> 
So that was just some stuff I wanted to bring up from Live Aid. I also watched a couple concerts that weren't Queen. And uh, I watched Tom Petty play. And he is the highest person I have ever seen. <laughs> and it's crazy that he was playing to like 2 billion people. You know That's what I mean? crazy. Yeah, because like they played somewhere near the beginning of the night. And he like, well, during the day. And he like flips off somebody in the crowd like three times. And it's on television, dude. <laughs> he like flips off somebody like three times. And then I was looking at him. He's like, man, he looks really high. And then he gave, a, I'd watch another thing where he's giving an interview to MTV. And he is high as fuck, dude. His <laughs> eyes can't stay open. He's like kind of talking like this, man. Like the whole time. No coherent thoughts. Like, he is the highest motherfucker I've ever seen play a giant <laughs> concert. And that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people who are high as fuck playing concerts that I've seen. So, congratulations, Tom Petty. <laughs> I think we figured out why you had a heart attack. And so, yeah. But, anyway. So, that was my little thing on Live It. That was just a rabbit hole I went down on. And uh, had to had to come out the other end with everybody with me. So... Uh, you got anything else you want to talk about? I don't. Do you want to check out that Led Zeppelin concert with Phil Collins now? No, not kinda, even a little you bit. You kind of have to, though, right? Like, you got to know how it went. No, I don't. <laughs> it's like the douchiest looking Phil Collins, too, because his oh, way is like it's hair like spinning high, in the front, but it's like super it's long. Super high, like, that was like the pinnacle of Phil Collins' career, almost. Yeah, I, I mean that's was. before like, well that's before he got into Disney. Days, yeah, <laughs> post Genesis, like he's had his own hit. Like the air into the night was like big that about that time. By the way, that song, another rabbit hole I wound up going down. Um, remember that Eminem song, Stan, where he's talking about? Yeah, yeah, he's talking about the um. About how Phil saw this guy drowning and could have saved him, but he didn't and all that. I was like, I wonder if that's a real story because I just heard Eminem say that. And so I looked it up. Turns out it's not a real story. It was folklore that happened in the 80s. And they tracked it down to some TV show where somebody said it, but it was unfounded. Um, it's not true. Phil Collins says he didn't even know what it was about. But when he listened to it 20 years later, he's pretty sure it involved his divorce. Mm-hmm. because he was just like writing a lot of stream of conscious songs and uh he can like when he thinks about it now he's pretty sure it was his divorce he was talking about but they recorded the drum part for that and the talkback switch was on in the studio and because it was on that it made the echoey drums and so that's where echoey drums from the 80s were invented was from this total accident so Phil Collins, innovator, is what I'm getting at from a total accident with the callback switch. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> did you even hear what I said? I did. <laughs> okay, Brandon went off to the bathroom right then. So No, I was totally there with all the the call or the callback switch. So Yeah. No, I was wondering because I, I remember at one point hearing the eighties echoey drum and I was like, why the fuck was that a thing in the eighties? But Dude, I got to say, like, honestly, being somebody who plays rhythm from time to time, um, nothing. I, and I know I know how this sounds talking about Phil Collins, but nothing is fucking cooler from a rhythm line 
than like when those drums kick in 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 the air tonight when it's like dude that's a really great drum part it's fucking awesome like phil collins whether you like him or not dude has some talent i'm just saying yeah and there's no song more depressing than like uh against all odds shit is depressing as fuck I'm trying to think of that. You coming back to me is against all odds. And that's a chance yeah. I have to take. It is take a, a look at me now. It's, I, it's just an empty space. Anyway, um, I heard him on an interview on... Uh, what was it? I want to say it was like This American Life. And one of the people on This American Life was like going through a breakup. And so she listens to all these breakup songs to try and make her feel better. And she was like, nothing is like more depressing than that song. And so she got an interview with Phil Collins to talk about it. And he wrote it about his ex-wife when he was getting that divorce that I talked about earlier. And what's so fucking depressing about it is like she's talking to him like, 30 35 years later and like he admits he still hasn't gotten over that pain like wow he knows that he'll never get back together with her he's got raised children who have children with her you know like it's but he he still carries a torch for her and he knows it'll never happen like how fucking depressing is that dude Depressing and kind of little. That's pretty sad as far as like, uh, can't you move on? Yeah, you would think. But it's also, you're right. You are right about that. But to me, it feels very humanizing of Phil Collins because it's very easy to think of him as a thing that just makes pop songs and like yells at Trey Parker and Mad Stone and things <laughs> like that. But like, it endears him in a way because it's like that song is totally heartfelt and like dude still carries a torch and he's British. And from what I understand, British people have a really hard time admitting when they feel bad. You know what I mean? Like they have a hard time expressing their emotions as a as a culture. So it's like it endears him to me. I don't know. But yeah, totally get over it, Phil Collins. Come on. <laughs> Or at least write another song equal to that. If you're still gonna feel it, <laughs> maybe he's did, busy. Never. He's busy writing Disney tunes nowadays. Uh, we're on that Facebook group uh, on the turntable now. Oh, dude, I have. Okay, <laughs> so about three months ago, I because I've been in that group, and it got to be where it was ninety percent of my Facebook feed. Yeah, and I was like, I can't like. Like, I enjoyed it. I only see them when you post. And then sometimes I'll, like, click on it and look at more. But, yeah. Yeah, and it was, like, I kind of want just, like, a sampling of stuff. But, like, it was, I mean, there was, what, 17,000 people in that group? A lot, yeah. But it posted everything that they, like, somebody posted. And it just got to be so much. And I was just, like. Did you leave it? I didn't, but I, like, unfollowed it. Yeah. Okay. So, if you ever decide to leave it, you you know the tradition now, right? No. You haven't noticed this? Okay. So, a couple years ago, there was this big dust up because somebody put up a Phil oh, Collins yeah. record. And people really went after him for the Phil Collins record. And it, like, culminated in all these people trolling uh, 
like people who are Phil Collins fans. And so it wound up with a bunch of people being kicked out by the administrator. And then, but it became very obvious, like don't play Phil Collins records on this site or on this group because like you will get ripped apart. And so every time somebody leaves the group now, they post a Phil Collins record and they say <laughs> goodbye forever. And then there'll just be this giant like string of comments and then the person will be out of the group. And so like, that's why I brought it up. Like if you ever decide to leave, make sure you like find a Phil Collins record. And that's the only there. way to do it. Yeah. Because I don't look at it very often anymore, so I've been thinking about like putting up a Phil Collins record. <laughs> oh, I could totally do. It. I well, shit, I don't. There's nothing I like getting yelled at from all across the globe. I don't own a Phil Collins record. I, I own a Genesis, a couple of Genesis that'll records. Do. That'll do. Yeah, that's about They'll as yell close at you for as Genesis I got. too. And just say like Phil Collins was a genius on this record, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. <laughs> all you have to do oh dude i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna post the video from live aid with led zeppelin oh jesus christ <laughs> see how that goes over you know there's no part of me that wants to watch that video because i enjoy led zeppelin and this will just like and i i enjoy him like a good brandy you have in a cabinet. You don't drink that shit every night. No. <laughs> You'd bring it out and you enjoy a little bit and then you put that back in the cabinet. But it's like somebody taking that bottle out and pissing in it. <laughs> and putting it back in the cabinet so you pull it out and you're like, oh, this tastes like piss. Uh, speaking of Facebook groups, uh, I have a new group that I want to tout on this podcast. If you're right for it, and you will know from the title, it's called Star Wars for fans who aren't dicks about it. <laughs> it's fucking great, dude. You can go there and talk about Star Wars and nobody jumps your shit. It's awesome. It's so much fun because like with the internet, it's so fucking hard to talk about Star Wars without somebody getting <laughs> every time. Like even out of my friends, like even my friends in real life, somebody will fucking get snotty about it at some point. And so it's just fucking great to like go on the site and just read all of this, you know. And I have like a couple of groups that I'm in. The other ones are not like that at all. Like whenever Star Wars comes up doesn't matter what you say about star wars there will be a million people for it and against it in every position you could take but star wars for fans who aren't dicks about it i salute you <laughs> it's a great group really enjoy it and they're not dicks about it that's what i really like they live up to their name the administrator will kick you out for being a dick fuck yeah we need more groups like that that sounds great. Yeah, you should join it, man. It's fun. That's probably not going to happen. But. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't, like, follow it directly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. See, it was... I don't know. I've had... And my oldest daughter's probably it's about in the same boat. I've had a really time, a hard time enjoying Star Wars since Last Jedi came out. Yeah. This made it more fun for me. I don't know. Like, I... I still enjoy Star Wars, but I didn't have as much fun talking about it because it was so divisive, that last movie. And, like, this group is not divisive at all. Like, somebody will say, like, I want to talk about this. 
and they'll say it in a non-confrontational way. And then if you want to jump in the thread, you can, or if you don't, you don't have to, but like people aren't jerks about it, which is what makes it fun. Like, that's the thing. I've been craving this kind of group ever since last Jedi came out because I knew some people even before last Jedi didn't like force awakens or rogue one, you know? And, uh, that was kind of a downer, but it's like, whatever, like every big movie, there's always people that don't like it. But man, the people who hated Last Jedi were just so fucking vocal about it, you know? And, uh, yeah, and I just, I don't know. Like, I don't mind, like, debating a movie, but I kind of mind when people are just being unnecessarily just fucking, you're wrong, you're a dick, and stuff like that all the time, you know? Yeah, and that, that's... That shit's just not fun. I mean, it's because I followed on the threads when I'm like reading, yeah, YouTube or Yahoo comments on political articles, and it's just like, oh, I don't even want to. Like, I want to read them, but then it's just like the arguments don't go anywhere. Yeah, there's nothing new. I mean, they're just basically third grade name calling sort of stuff and it just it's not fun yeah yeah so star wars for fans who aren't dicks about it recommend it this is probably a good place to cut off so take it easy respect the outro Thank you for listening to the Not Safer Network. Check out one of our many other shows, Charles Orr Horror Show, Geek Lantern's Light, Movies with Wrestlers, Real Roulette, The Alien Movie Project, Montucky Skies, and We Had a Good Life.